This episode of the Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed tees with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code, real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S DETOX for $20 off any order of $50 or more with BitsBox. This podcast might have bad words because my daddy says words like sh**, damn, and other bad words too much. Listener description is advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a podcast for dads where this dad talks about life, kids, and stuff. I'm your host, Joe Shaw. On today's episode, I have Emmy Award-winning sports broadcaster, Mr. Pat Doney. Pat works for NBC5 here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, regularly can be seen covering the Dallas Cowboys, and... I went in studio, went to the NBC studios to conduct this interview with Pat this week. We did a great deep dive into his coverage as a sports broadcaster in the area, as well as the journey that he's gone on as a father for both his daughter Barlow and his son Hudson, what adoption looked like for them, and also how his family has been able to navigate knowing that Hudson has cerebral palsy and the uh, struggles and the triumphs of the they have had as a family as a result of that. It's a great interview. It's a great episode. I'm really excited. I hope you're able to enjoy it as much as we had recording it. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is Emmy Award-winning sports broadcaster here at NBC5 in Dallas, Mr. Pat Doney. Pat, thanks for being with me on the show today. Absolutely, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, so really excited. We're here in studio at the NBC5 studios here in Dallas-Fort Worth, and this is just, it's a nice setup you guys have here. I like it. <laughs> it's a uh, its the nicest TV station I've ever been to. We, we moved here about a little less than five years ago, okay. and we were in the old building near downtown Fort Worth. Yes, yes. It was one of the oldest, if not the oldest, TV stations in the state of Texas, right. and it had a lot of charm. I mean, it was very cool to walk right. through the building right. at the time, right. Right. but I always tell people that with charm comes electrical fires, right. you know, and so it was, no, it wasn't that bad. It was awesome to work there for about six months. Right. And then we moved here after that. So, so yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I remember I was looking up where exactly this was, and I went, I think this was just built a handful of years ago, and yeah, it's it's absolutely beautiful. But I remember that old TV studio uh, very well. So, yeah. Uh, well, one of the questions we like to start people out with is, what do you think makes a good dad? Uh, I mean, obviously, you could go a lot of different ways <laughs> right, with that right, question. Right, right, right. Um, I think that the time aspect is is 
the most important, um, you know, both the amount of time and the quality time that you spend making the most of the opportunities. Um, one of the things that, that my wife and I have really tried to do because our schedule is weird in sure, TV. Right. You know, there's a lot of evenings. There's a lot of weekends. I've been a weekend sports anchor my entire professional okay. career. So I've never had weekends consistently off. Yeah. But we make the most of the Saturday and Sunday mornings and the Monday and Tuesdays that I have off. So that's crucial. You know, one of the things that I've really been working on personally, you know, I go to a, a men's Bible study that we go to every week, and it's a bunch of guys who in their 30s, just like me, trying to be good dads and husbands and sure. all that. And uh, we really are emphasizing try- humility, honestly, with our kids in a way. You know, understanding that we are not perfect, we make right. mistakes, being willing to apologize and, and tell our kids, hey, look, I messed up. You know, right. you got you to <laughs> yeah, forgive yeah, me yeah, on yeah. this. Because... You know, one of my favorite speakers that I know, Andy Stanley, is one mm, of my the pastor yep. in Atlanta, and he talked recently. I heard him speak and talk about um, parenting with the relationship down the road in mind. So okay. it's a combination okay, sure. of discipline and making sure your kids don't end up in prison. Right. Okay, yeah. like you know, we yeah. want to make yeah. sure that they're <laughs> yeah. getting the discipline they need, no question, and that they're good people. But also, we want to make sure that that they want to have a relationship with me and my wife when they're older, not just coming home for Christmas because they feel like they have to. We want to be friends along with that. So not as much of a friendship now as that mentorship and and discipline, but at the same time understanding that I think that if we have that respect, if we respect them in that discipline way, that hopefully they'll respect us more as well. And so respect kind of breeds more respect. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, you're really focused on laying the groundwork for what will be a long relationship. No question. And so you don't want to take shortcuts and, and think about the, let me make the decision, the best decision for in this moment. You want to think, all right, big picture, what am I hoping to accomplish? Right. And then let's lay some steps and some groundworks from there. No yeah, question. Absolutely. And, and the, you know, one of the things too with that, you know, respect aspect, you know, there, there are parts and there are some times where it's important to, hey, do what I say because I'm your dad, you right. know, like, and I'm telling, but a lot of it, I, I'm never going to squash my kid's interest in knowing why sure. we make the, make the decisions yeah, yeah, yeah. that we do because I want them to be able to make the same kind of decisions as they grow and they get older. Sure. I want them to know why when they're in the group of friends in middle school or in high school, well, I know that this is not right and this is why, not just because my mom and dad said, right. but they also understand where we were coming from in that. So when, when they ask why, I'm slower to be like, just because I'm your dad, yep. I'm trying to also teach them why we do and say what we do. Right. I know an uh, interesting uh, situation I had recently with my daughter, Sylvie, who is about to turn four at the beginning of February. She wanted to know she was like, I don't want to wear a coat to daycare. Now, why do I have to wear a coat? And I'm constantly like, you need to put it on, you need to put it on. And I said, you know what? Uh, I will put it in the car. You don't have to wear it right now. But the reason I'm asking you to do it is because it is 30 degrees outside. Yeah. It is very cold. And as soon as you get out there, you will want your coat. She didn't believe me. We got to daycare. She opened the door and went, uh, is that coat around anywhere? Right. And it's right. like, yes. And so it's, and then she got it. She doesn't question putting on the coat now and, and she understands it. But if I had just said, because I said so, well, that's not, there's no substance there. No question. So yep. one of the things that we talk every day with my daughter, I, I take her to school every morning that I'm in town, that I'm not on the road with the Cowboys or another story somewhere. Sure. And I drive her to school and we always talk about trying to be a blessing to someone today. 
That's a okay. big thing. Specifically, I want to hear from you later tonight about how you were a blessing to someone today. Like and so recently, she had a situation where there was a friend in her class uh, who they have a thing called the buddy bench at their school. Okay, <laughs> If you don't have anybody to play with or no one wants to play with you at recess, you go sit on the buddy bench and hopefully somebody else at recess will see someone on the buddy bench and go and reach out and I try like and it. do that. So she did for one of her friends in her class. And she came to me and said, it felt really good to do that, but why do I need to do that? I don't understand. Mm. Again, the why aspect. Right. And I explained, there's probably going to be a day that you're on the buddy bench. Yeah, right? That they, yeah, now, yeah. You're, you're beautiful and you're popular and you're fun to <laughs> right, be around. Right, okay, right. And I think you're great. But there's going to be a day where things aren't going well. Right. Nobody wants to play with you. And you're going to go sit on the buddy bench. And you know what? The girl that you went and played with today on the buddy bench She's going to remember that, and mm-hmm. if she sees you on the buddy bench, she's going to go get it. So right. these yeah. are the kind of things that we really work with the why aspect. And like I said, being a blessing, being self-aware, being under, understanding to put others ahead of yourself. Those right. are things that are all crucial, I think, to being a really good dad, yeah. teaching those things to your kids. Absolutely. Man, that's just, yeah. I, 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 you were talking about the buddy bench, and I'm like, man, there is so many instances where I was on a metaphorical buddy bench, and somebody just put you know, put a hand out and, and reached out, and it's, it, it goes a long way. Right. Even, even as adults and even as dads, it's like that, that matters so much more. Uh, one, uh, something I noticed recently was uh, when I was doing research for this episode was you brought your daughter, your daughter's Barlow, correct? Correct. Okay. You brought her on the air shortly after she was born. Talk me through your experience through pre- your wife's pregnancy that first time and the birth of Barlow. What were some of the highest highs and lowest lows that you navigated through that experience? Well, I mean, when you go through it for the first time, it is, it is definitely... Uh, scary. You yeah, have no yeah, idea yeah. what yeah. what to expect. Uh, literally, as we're sitting here right now, yesterday was my daughter's sixth birthday. Ah, and yes. I, I very much remember <laughs> going to the hospital in the whole process of of the you know the birth and and having the first night where it's like I'm in charge of this human, you right. know. And so that's so <laughs> yeah. it, it's terrifying, you know. And yet, um, you know, I think I think we begin to pick things up very quickly, you know, and you start to learn. Uh, you talk about selflessness, you know. Right. I was talking to my wife about this podcast and about doing this with you, mm-hmm. Joe. And, and uh, one of the things we discussed about this is I think being a father has made me a better person mm-hmm. because I'm teaching my daughter to do these things and I don't want to be someone who just says, do what I say. Mm-hmm. I really want to be somebody who says, do what I do and have her see it because more is caught than taught, the cliche, of course, right. goes. And and so we're, we're you know, in that moment you have this child that you're holding and it's like, man, you know, I have a lot of responsibility on my shoulders at the time. So, um, you know, we, we had, we got married young. We got married right out of college, 22 years old. I was 21. There you go. And we knew that we wanted to wait a while. And so we waited about five and a half years to have Barlow. I think we're, we're about to sit. We're pretty much the same people at this point. There you go. And so, (laughs) and so we had our daughter and uh, I was, you know, almost 28, 27 and a half. And, and, uh, it changed my life in a huge way. Um, you know, it was much easier earlier on when she didn't have preschool, she didn't have, you know, (laughs) elementary school and all of that to make sure that we made time. And, and, uh, one thing that we've really pushed early on is to do what we can at that quality time thing I was telling you about early on, we go on breakfast dates, just me and her, we go and, and do things like go bowling or I take her to Dallas stars games all the time. She loves hockey and going to games in person. And so, um, you know, we do these things together so that she knows that I'm making an effort in time to be there for her, even though my job can take me away from her a lot of times in the evenings, on the weekends, things like that. You know, it's, uh, you talked about something, you know, it makes you being a dad made you a better person. 
person. And I wholeheartedly subscribe to that philosophy in that there are so many times where I think we, we want, we idealistically want to be a better person. And we do that on a day-to-day basis. We work towards that, but it's something about you're, you're trying to teach someone. It's the same thing of like, you learn more when you teach, you know, as opposed to just learning to learn. And so I think in the same way, being a dad, we're teaching them how to be better people. And so then it, it's an, it naturally rubs off and that we are now becoming better people as a result. So yeah, I think that's absolutely great. And it's something like, I don't know. Yeah. I never really thought about that way, even though I was doing it and it, you said it and it was just like light bulb. ding. <laughs> <laughs> just Every once in a while, blind squirrel finds a <laughs> right. Man, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about also, I want to pivot a little bit. Uh, you adopted your second child, correct? That's correct, yes. Okay. Uh, can you talk us through a little bit about what the adoption experience was like for you, what the decision was to adopt, and then kind of, uh, I know there's a lot there uh, to unpack, but kind of talk us through a little bit through that uh, initial journey yeah. and decision. Sure, no problem. So my wife is the one who brought adoption to the table, okay? okay. And I had never thought of it. Um, we were dating in college and she came to me and she said um, that in her, her dad's a pastor and at their church, um, one of the families had adopted a little girl from China. Okay. And she had seen as she was in middle school and high school, the impact that it had made on the little girl, but also the impact that it had made on the family. I mean, how things were different because of this selfless act that they Mm -hmm. had done. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about how different life would be had they not adopted the little girl for both the little girl and the family, how it had changed it. And she just really felt called by God to, to do that. Like she just felt like it was on her heart to, to adopt someday. So we were dating and I'm like 19 or 20 years old. And she comes to me and says, you really should know that I'm planning to adopt someday. And I really want to do this. What do you think about that? And I was like, (laughs) baby, I've never thought about that. Right. You know, I've never even considered that, you know, but then I started looking at the numbers and things that really jumped out at me. And the number that I share all the time, and I'll share with you right now is that, that there are 300,000, uh, Protestant churches in the United States of America. Okay. And there are 100,000 orphans eligible for adoption in the United States of America. So if one out of every three churches, Protestant churches right. had one family adopt one child, the orphan crisis in the United States would disappear. It'd be gone, yeah. And so, as a faith-based man, family member, husband, father, all of that, we, we started talking about it and looked at it and just said, "How do we not do this with this being a passion that she had?" And then the more I looked into it, the more passionate I got about it. And um, and so we said we were going to do it someday. And so we had. Barlow traditionally first, and we knew we wanted to do that, and then said at that point, okay, it's time for us to act on what we said we were going to do, going back to, you know, Moore's Coth and Todd. We want to do what we say we're going to do. And so we began the process, and uh, we contacted an agency through, you know, other people who we knew had gone through it, and um, about a year after, a little less than a year after we began the journey, we have a photo actually of the three of us dropping off their paperwork (laughs) at the post office, which is pretty cool, on December 31st. 2000, I think it was 2012 or 30. Yeah. Anyway. So, and, um, about a little less than a year later, we got a phone call that Hudson had been born in Wichita Falls. And so we grabbed our stuff as fast as we could, hustled out there, got there to the hospital. And it was a game changing, life changing moment walking into the nursery, uh, you know, in being introduced to my son who had just been born the night before. And it's this just, it's hard to explain, but you don't know the baby that's laying there and then you pick him up and it's like, Oh yeah, this is my son. You know, like I'm all in, you know? And so, uh, the process took a while and, and it was, uh, 
it was, you know, like I said, almost a year and there's a lot of unknown. Right. We have friends that it's taken three years. We have friends that it's taken four months. You know, it's just, it's yeah. so, it Very. varies in so many different ways. And so for us, like I said, it was kind of the average about 10 month-ish time frame. Okay. And um, yeah, and so we had Hudson in, he was there in the NICU for a couple of days. We moved home to, to our house after that. And then the official adoption came to fruition about six months later. It's about a six month process in right. Texas. And uh and ever since, he's been Hudson Doney, you know, yeah, our son, yeah, you know, yeah. no different between our son and our daughter. And the, the strange thing is, is that he and our daughter actually look very much alike. You know, they, <laughs> yeah. they have very similar features. They both have blonde hair. You know, yeah. it's just, it's funny to see that. People yeah. are always like, oh, you look so much like your, your big sister. And when yeah. I was like, no, he really, he yeah. really doesn't, you know, or maybe yeah, he yeah, does, yeah. but not on purpose, you know, right, and so... Yeah. Um, and it's been great for our family ever since. Um, it's something that I really would encourage people to consider if they have the means to do it because it's a yeah. game changer. We think about how different Hudson's life would be yeah. had he stayed in a foster home yeah. as opposed to being adopted into our family. And we think about how different our life would be. You right. know, I mean, I can't imagine our life without the HUD dog is what we yeah. call him. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. He's a great kid, and um, I'm sure glad that we did it. I know that we've had uh, we've had a uh, uh, dad on before that shared his adoption story and it was a little bit different. But he talked about how when he went through the the agency that he used, <clears throat> that it was almost in a way uh, almost like filling out a, a dating profile. And this I, I don't mean to sound crude when I say this, but it was uh, they had him fill out a bunch of different. Uh, what are you looking for? Who like what age range, uh, ethnicity, uh, demographic area, like all of this stuff. Was that something that you also went yeah, through as well? That's part of the process. I mean, it, you have to you have to sign up and check boxes for what you're willing to accept from age ranges and things like that. And we we knew that for that adoption that we wanted to have a, a baby, uh, you know, very very young child in all likelihood. Okay. Okay. And, um, and so, yeah, we, we were pretty open to most things. Um, but one of the things that we said for that was that we wanted to adopt a baby. Now I'll tell you right now that we ha have considered, and we are talking about down the road when our kids are a little older, potentially adopting like a middle school kid or, sure. you know, someone, someone who's in uh, high school, because once kids turn three, once kids in foster care turn three or four, the odds of them getting adopted go through the floor. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's almost yeah. never happens because yeah. everybody wants an, a newborn right. to avoid some of the quote unquote drama that yeah. comes in the other way, which is too bad because there are some great kids yeah. who have done nothing wrong, who are waiting for a family and could be a perfect fit for somebody's family as well. So that's something we've talked about doing down the road. I know <clears throat> there's a, a couple of people that I went to college with that I know recently adopted uh, several older kids. And it was for that specific reason and that they wanted to adopt some of the older kids because they knew that the statistics were uh, pretty much, uh, you know, what you just said about going yeah. like, yeah, non-existent. There are very few people, I would say, there are very few people that someday when they're 90 years old sitting in a rocking chair are going to look back and say, man, I really regret adopting that child. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. trying to think big picture. It's trying to think about things from a broader perspective other than right now. Is it uncomfortable right now? Of course, it's you know not easy. It's challenging. But like we talked about earlier, you're trying to think down the road. No question. And you're trying to lay the foundation now. Yeah. And you want to help make it as big of an impact and as best of an impact as possible. And I try to think about my son's 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 life and yeah. how different that's going to be in the year 2090 yeah. right yeah because Ooh. of what we did for yeah. hudson and it's not just us there are 
thousands of people doing it, but right. I'm saying anytime someone gives somebody else, gives a, a kid in a foster home the gift of a family, you are making generational change. Yep. This is the kind of thing, you want to talk about making an impact in, on the world in a way that is immeasurable, That that is a way to do that because 100 years from now, there's going to be a baby's life that's different because of what you did for that baby's great-grandfather or great-grandmother. And right. that's a way yeah, that really, absolutely. if you think about it that way, all of a sudden, 18 years sounds really short. You yeah. know, if you're talking about adopting a baby and, and, and I mean, come on, man. It's like, it's yeah. awesome to have kids too. Yeah, it's yeah, fun. It you know, really it's, is, we're talking yeah. about it here on a dad yeah. podcast. <laughs> exactly, you know? so, exactly. Right. That's so awesome. Now, I know that there were some, uh, some issues you didn't necessarily uh, foresee when you adopted your son. Can you talk us through a little sure. bit about that as yeah, well? Yeah, no question. So we, we did not know um, what we were facing with Hudson when when we adopted him. Um, about six to eight months after he was born, we noticed that he was not progressing uh, the way that most babies would, switching into toddler mode. He was right. not sitting up. He wasn't crawling. He wasn't, you know, his head was very droopy. Sure. He had a lot of locked arms sticking up. Mm-hmm. And so we just, we went to the internet, you know, we were Googling and right. it's like, I mean, of course it's Which, which is all, always not the best thing to it's, do. But yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. You know, you're getting all these, but the same thing kept popping up and it was cerebral palsy, you yeah. know? And so my wife... And I talked to his pediatrician, and she was like, I think it's really early to think that that's what this is, but if you want to go see a pediatric neurologist, we can do that. And I said, I guess, and my wife's like, let's do it. You know, So we're going to do it just to make sure. And we did, and when we met with the pediatric neurologist, she just kind of moved his arms and legs, and like, you know, for about 10 minutes, I'm sure there was much more to it, but I'm saying just standing there, I'm thinking that it was not much, and she just sat us down and said, yeah, he has CP. So he has cerebral palsy. And it was a it was a game changer. You know, we have we had no idea at the time that it could be the worst case scenario with that. Right. Um, but when you hear your son very likely is not going to walk, he's not going to be able to use have full function of his arms. Yeah. Uh, he's probably never going to talk because the type of CP that he has, okay, that the type of brain injury question. he has, okay. is called schizencephaly. And what it is is it impacts um, the motor skills in the face a lot. You okay. know, so. Eating is a challenge, and so that's why he has a feeding tube through his stomach that we use. And uh, speaking is very rare for kids who have this type or people who have this type of brain injury. So when you hear that kind of a thing, I mean, that is – it changes your perspective quite a bit. You know, it's – it's been been hard to this point. I mean, he's three and a half, and we're still – we still struggle with a lot of times why this happened to him and to us in that way. Um but I will tell you uh, that I wouldn't change it now. You yeah. know, at the time, I don't know if I would have said yes. You know, my wife says that she would w- have wanted to say yes, and I believe her because she has that kind of a heart. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but me personally, that would have been really hard to sign up for that at the time. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a big believer that things happen for a reason and that God has a plan. And I think that there's a reason we have our son and that if, if I had known that I might have said no, and now I'm really glad that I didn't know because I couldn't say no, right. you know, and here yes. we are now and we're extremely close. Our family has bonded in a way that's hard to explain to people who don't have a kid in their, in their home that has special needs. Sure. But our daughter just looks out for our son and has his back in a way that it's really, it's really special. It's pretty awesome to see that. And, um, 
you know, other, other kids and, and other friends that we have, their kids are learning, you know, how to interact with a child with special needs as well. Sure. And he's flying past expectations. You know, he has a wheelchair that he controls with his head with which way he touches and sure. it goes forward and back and side to side. He has a communication device that he looks at. It's like an iPad that uh-huh. looks and reads his eyes of what he's looking at and it vocalizes what's on the screen. Oh, and, that's really cool. I mean, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, and he's doing it and yeah. he's learning how to do these things at three years old. And with the way technology in the world is moving. Yeah. There, I mean, he has a much better chance at um, being able to have some personal space and ability to do things on his own than even five years ago yeah. with the future of self-driving cars and Alexa and things like that. Yeah. And um, all of this can be controlled with his communication device that he can speak through his eyes looking at the screen. It's it's a really, really interesting, cool thing. But yeah, that was that was definitely one of the hardest days of my life, hearing that about your son it was a gut punch, you yeah. know, but it's something that we have really kind of come together and bonded quite a bit since that day. And we've gotten much closer. And we also, I think, don't take things for granted as much, you know, yeah. because we see what a struggle it is for him to do certain things on a day-to-day aspect. And it's like, really, I'm not going to get to the gym, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, my, right, you know, right, like right. I mean, yeah, come yeah, on, you yeah. know, so things like that, you know, I don't take for granted as often as I used to. That's really cool. Now, I know that faith is a big part of your life. We've mentioned it a couple of times here already. What was... How do I phrase this? What were, and you talked a little bit about um, questioning, like wondering how to, how could this have happened to him? How, you know, and, and to, and to you and your wife as well. Did you ever have these conflicting, not necessarily anger at God, but conflicting emotion, roller coaster of emotions about, you know, my, your faith and, and, and how to be a good example as a man of God for your family. And, and just like, I, to walk us through those conflicting emotions that I'm sure you had. Yeah. I mean, we were angry for sure. sure angry yeah. at God, no, no doubt. Angry at the situation. Um, we also try to remember that um, you know he is much greater and much bigger than my mind can ever comprehend. Right. Sure. So to think that I would be able to fully comprehend his plan is, um, you know, obviously that's not the case. Like I'm not <laughs> right, capable right. of doing that. Right. Um, the other thing that I'll say is that um, you know sometimes good people go through hard things to show other people what the goodness of God can do for people going through hard things. And we have been through a lot and through this situation. Um, but it's giving, it's given us the opportunity to talk to other people who are going through hard things harder than what we're going through. And I fully believe that our son is going to do things that is going, that are, that's going to inspire people in a way that I don't have the potential to do because I think that he is special. I think that he's unique. He is really smart. I mean, at two years old, little things like our daughter making animal sounds and he's maneuvering through the iPad device called the eye gaze and finding the animal's name and saying it. Oh, wow. At two years old. That's she's not saying dog. Right. She's barking like a dog. And he's, and he's maneuvering through different pages, scrolling oh, wow. through pages and finding the dog. That's impressive. He's very yeah. smart. And so these are the things between the adoption aspect and what he is going through and the hurdles that he's going to overcome. I think that he's going to be able to inspire a lot of people, make a big impact in their life. But look, you know, sometimes, sometimes we need to remember too that you know, from my perspective and, my, and what I believe in about God and, and our faith is that God never promised it was going to be a simple road. You know, he never promised that we were going to have 
you know, all of these great things in life was never going to be challenging. I mean, I believe that Jesus was God and he was crucified. Like, so, I mean, obviously people can go through challenging things if he, you know, you know, so, um, so we look at that and we just try to remember that God has a plan, that things can be hard, that we need to rely on each other. We need to trust God's plan. And that we also need to do everything we can to try and be there for people who are going through something similar to what we're going through to try and make an impact on their life to show them that, you know what, there is going to be another day and there right. is a reason that we go through what we're going through, right. even if we don't understand it right now. Right. I know <clears throat> what you said really stuck out as far as uh, you you go through, you're being put through this um, so that others can draw inspiration from it, you know, and so others can have the ability to to say, you know, there are other there are other people out there that are that are going through this journey as well, and and I fully believe that there are a lot of hardships that we as individuals face in life that make us stronger, that allow us to to have those experiences, so we can turn around and share them and and be be the light, be the example for others to be drawn to a hundred percent. And I know uh, there was something that I read not too long ago that talked about how because each child is different, every person is different, your different children test you in different ways. You know, a perfect example is my daughter was not, uh, is not great at bedtime and, uh, but she is, you know, great with, you know, she's super smart, great at following instructions. You know, she's very assertive, all this stuff. And my son is fantastic as a sleeper and some other things are a little bit more challenging with, with him, you know, trying to figure stuff out. So it's, it's something where it's like, okay, I can handle one that's a good sleeper and one that's not. If I've got one that does this and one that doesn't, and it allows you to balance out your scales and work really well in, in teaching them the best way to go. And, and I mean, yeah, you can't, you can't put that on paper. It just, it happens, like you said, for a reason so that you can be sharpened up and be ready to go as an example, as a leader, as a, as a, a man of faith, hundred percent. Uh, now I know that there was something that I had done a research for that I want you to, to, to talk us through. I believe there is a special program for kids that have uh, special needs that when they turn three, it's kind of like a, a prolonged kindergarten. Is that correct? So essentially what, yeah, what it is, is when, um, so the state of Texas provides this opportunity for education and I don't know the official term for it, sure. but I think it's called the early learning center for kids okay. essentially. And it's basically... Uh, a program that works with kids uh, with special needs and with disabilities to try to get them ready to go to a regular kindergarten class when they're five or six years old. And so our son has start, started that back in August when he turned three. Okay. And uh, it's been awesome to see, man. I mean, these yeah. teachers are just so fired up. They do, they do such a great job with him. I mean, he's learned, he's progressed so much just from things, just little things like being able to have mom and dad leave the room and not have him melt down. You know, mm-hmm. now he, you can tell he's excited and looks forward to going to see the kids in his class and his teacher. And, and, um, he's been able to have a little bit of that separation. That's good, you know, sure. like to where you learn that you don't always have to have your mom and dad around. And so they work with him on the communication device. They work with him on physical therapy and he's, he's a part of the group too. He's making friends and the kids have been really, really sweet. I mean, they take turns 
who gets to hold Hudson's hand during recess and stuff. It's just awesome to hear that as a dad. You know, that is awesome. You yeah. don't know how it's going to go when you have a kid yeah. going to that situation sure. and to hear and see these kids, you know, do so much. So he had his first Christmas program, you know, where all the kids are singing yeah. and they gave him like a hand puppet thing that had like bells on oh, it. That's awesome. And so he was like, you know, all excited and everything. Yeah. They're all singing and he's just kind of trying to wave the bells. And it was awesome. That's you know, awesome. and so. Yeah. It was. It was. It's just very cool to see, and and I love the school and what they've done, and it's a great program for the state that they do that to help kids to try. Because our goal is to have him try to be a part of regular society. Sure. Right. Yeah. The best way to do that is to start him young with other kids who aren't in a wheelchair, who can talk more normally than he can. Mm And to get him used to being in that situation so that he can try and make the most of that. So it's not uncommon for him when he's in high school or when he's yeah. in his 20s. And it's a good transition, too, because it allows him to to, to go through the, the the transition period that he needs to go through, learn the skills yeah. he needs to learn, so that he's able to start and there's no, there's no issue, there's no delay, there's nothing. Yeah, two full years in a classroom so that he's ready to be in a classroom when he's five. Gotcha. And I love that. Yeah. And when he, I mean, part of this program, when he starts to get a little older and closer to kindergarten, they'll literally take him to kindergarten classes oh, okay. and have him be in for a little bit and then pull him out, you know, and then a little longer than, you know, a few right. months later, things like that to get him ready for what it's like to go to kindergarten. That's really cool. Man, that's awesome. It's great. Um, what has been your, one of your proudest parenting moments? Oh man. That, <laughs> I know that's 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 a lot, but <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough one. Um you know We'll circle back to it. We'll circle back. Um, something I want to talk about. Uh, so uh, we're pivoting a little bit away from, from the parenting. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, sports because I know that some people who might be turn, tuning in know you quite a bit from your coverage with the Cowboys. Hmm. So uh, ever since you've been here, you've been primary coverage on the Cowboys and, and you and I spoke a little bit about you being Cowboys and, and high school football as well. So what has been one of your uh, favorite players to cover since you've been doing this? Yeah, I mean, it was great. I've been able to I've been blessed to have a lot of, of players that I've gotten to cover, you know, here that the Cowboys have had a great locker room, you know, since I've been here and guys like Dak Prescott have been really fun to cover. Sean Lee's great. Sure. Uh, but, you know, Jason Witten was on a different level when it sure. came to the on and off the field stuff. And, and uh, I mentioned the communication device, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. After his last game of his career, he actually stopped me on the field to talk about it. He had seen the video. Oh, that's son, awesome. Which was really cool yeah. to, have, to have him mention that. I thought that was just really nice of him to take that moment when he was walking off the field for the last time. You'd sure. think, you know, if there's ever a lot there's going to be a time. A lot of if ever there's going to yeah. be a time where it's going to be all about him in that situation, yeah. I think that that's. Uh, that that would be a good one. So he's he's probably my favorite, but I mean Dirk has been awesome to With cover Mavs, as well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I can tell you there are numerous stars and Mavs, and I, I love t- doing high school football and covering high school sports sure. as well. Yeah. And, and we get to tell great stories consistently as well with these coaches who just give so much of their time and effort to try and make an impact on kids' lives. And so that's pretty great too. But, yeah, I think Jason Witten is right at the top of the list. He's been pretty awesome to cover. And, yeah, and, um, yeah his time with the Cowboys, man, he's one of the all-time greats. That's, that's so cool. Uh, you mentioned Dak Prescott, and I have to tell you a funny story because I think you'll appreciate this. My, uh, my wife's grandpa, Mississippi State alum, okay. so – you know, while Dak was playing there, one of the things that we would do because um, my wife's grandma was going through cancer and she passed away a couple years ago. And so we would go and spend time with her. We didn't have kids at the time. And uh, my wife's grandpa is, is, you know, his eyesight's going out, but he always would watch the games and I would call the games for him. So I would like play by play. This is what's going on. This is what's awesome. going on. So I got very familiar with Dak Prescott and 
the entire way he plays. When the Cowboys drafted him, I was stoked. And I think I was the only person <laughs> that was that excited about it. And I said, just you wait. Romo goes out. Prescott goes in. I look like a genius. Man, I, I will never forget <laughs> seeing him at training camp his rookie year. Yeah. And in Oxnard, um, he's walking on and off the field. And there are Cowboys fans everywhere. And they're all looking at him kind of like, oh, yeah, who cares? You know, like, right, and he's right, just kind of yeah, walking. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's <laughs> screaming for Dez and Romo yeah. and all these other people. And then the next year at, at training camp, just people just climbing over the top of each other, to begging to try and get a picture or an autograph. Yeah. It's amazing how much can change in just, 12 months. Just like, that. like that. Yeah, just I like have my best finger. parenting moment for Okay. You. Oh, yeah, sure. All let's right, let's back. circle back. Okay. The best parenting moment I've had was actually recently. I thought it was pretty cool. My daughter won an award at her school for the most caring award. Oh, wow. And what it meant was is that she was the person in her entire grade who did the best of any other student at the elementary school in that grade at alerting teachers and letting them know if somebody was upset or if somebody you know, was injured or somebody you know, had their feelings hurt or whatever. And her teacher just came to us and was just like, she is amazing when it comes to being a blessing to kids every day. We yeah. talked earlier about being a blessing. Right. And that is the thing that we really want to hammer home is that trying to put others ahead of yourself and by winning that award, as small as that is, yeah. it just shows hopefully that this is the start of what she is to be as she gets older and older. Yeah. Because that's the thing that I care most about sure. is I want her, I want her to be somebody who people around her look at and say, you know, we may not have a lot in common, you know, whatever you think about her from her personality, that, but there's no doubt about it that she loves people, yeah. that she puts others ahead of herself. And that award to me kind of showed that she's getting it yep. and that other people are seeing it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, the, w one one thing I want to kind of in kind of uh, end up with is uh, you went to Liberty University, mm -hmm. correct? Uh, I uh, almost uh, I, I played hockey, and I thought about going to play hockey for them, but uh, decided I was burned out on it. So ah. I m went and uh, did a theater major instead. So here we are. Okay. But <laughs> uh, but you went to Liberty Liberty University, faith based school. How big? And we've talked quite a bit about faith and religion, but uh, talk us through kind of your decision to go to Liberty and how big of a factor faith played in that. And then kind of I, I want to really focus on and hone in on what faith truly means for you. I know that's kind of that's a big it's sure. a big question, but kind of talk us through that, and then and then we'll kind of start wrapping this up. Well, so I grew up in Southern California in okay. Huntington Beach, about forty five minutes south of L A, and no seasons at all. Yeah. Right? I mean, which right, is great, right. like yeah. seventy five every day. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in Surf City, USA. It's where right. the U S <laughs> Open of surfing is every year. Right? <laughs> that's it's awesome. like how Augusta yeah. is for golf. Right? right, right. And so I loved it, and it was awesome. Um, that said, um, when a friend of a family friend had gone to school at Liberty. Um, you know, I just thought about how different and how unique it would be to live in a place where they actually had leaves that changed colors, right? <laughs> they actually had snow sometimes in the winter, things like that. Right. And so I went and visited. Um, they had a program called College for a Weekend where you could go and basically stay in a dorm for a weekend mm -hmm. and, and experience it. And so I went and visited one weekend and it happened to be in like late October, early November and the entire central Virginia Valley was just orange and red. Oh, and wow. I mean, it was like amazing yeah, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. changing of the leaves and all of that. And it was just a beautiful place. And I just loved the idea of just kind of packing up and doing my own thing somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And so uh, the fact that it was a Christian school helped, you know, I liked sure. that idea. Um, but I was also very committed to being a sports broadcaster. 
and they had opportunities for students to do that okay. for the one double A football, basketball, and baseball programs that were there. And my first day at college, when I showed up, I went and knocked on the radio station sports director's door and said, "I don't care what you want." I'll do it. I will clean toilets. I will scrub the floor, <laughs> but I want to be a part of this and I want to do this and you don't have to pay me anything, you yeah. know? And so he, he took me up on it and I basically dragged his, ca- his microphone uh, cables. They had, yeah. there were no wireless microphones yeah. at the yeah. time. And he was the sideline reporter for football games. Okay. And so I dragged his cables up and down the sideline and it snowed two of the four home games that year or five or whatever. Oh, and man. it was miserable and I was not getting paid anything to do <laughs> right, it. Right, right. But I was on the sidelines, which was cool. Yep. And eventually he gave me a halftime radio, you know, halftime show okay. during basketball games. And that led to doing play by play on the radio, which led to an internship at ABC in Los Angeles. And then it, the rest is history from sure. there. So, um, that was a big part of that. A lot of it just kind of was happenstance. You know, I, like I told you before, I met my wife there, you right. know, the first day of our sophomore year. And um, a lot of great opportunities I've had since then came from people giving me opportunities early on in my time there at Liberty. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, we always like to wrap up the show with some dad jokes. Do you happen to have any by any oh, chance? Oh, man, I have some great ones. Okay. All right. uh, Go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll start with one and I'll pitch it to you. <laughs> Sports joke. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, did you hear about the boating sale? Uh, no. No. Nope. That was uh, killed the delivery on that. We're wow. just going to move on to that one. Okay. You struck out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's <laughs> there my dad. There, there, joke, it is. Right? there it is. All right. Uh, hey, why don't grasshoppers watch football? I don't know. They prefer cricket. <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's pretty bad. Uh, the, the second and final one that I have, uh, which the listeners will be happy about, uh, why did Cinderella get kicked off the football team? I don't know why. She kept running away from the ball. Come on, man. All right, why did the Scarecrow win an award? I don't know why. Because he stood out in his field. Right? <laughs> what do you call an alligator in a vest? I don't know what. An investigator. <laughs> Those are good. Those what are good. What did the left eye say to the right eye? I don't know what. Between us, something smells. <laughs> All right, I'm going to quit. That's Those it. are good. Those yeah. are good. Yeah. We, no, we, we, we love dad jokes in our <laughs> yeah. house, and, yeah. and uh, my wife just rolls her eyes, and my daughter thinks they're hilarious, so yeah, yeah. we'll just keep on doing I it. I mean, that's the best demographic. My daughter th- laughs every single time, even though she doesn't get them, and yeah. uh, I feel like this is uh, why, my demographic. Why did Elsa... Why would we not give Elsa the balloon? I don't know. Why? Because she'd let it go. Uh, All right. We've seen that movie 10,000 times. Yes. It's a favorite in our house as well. Um, Okay. So if people want to follow you or what you're up to, what is the best way for them to do that? The best way to do that is on on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all the social media platforms like that. Uh, On Twitter and Facebook, I'm at Pat Doney. NBC5, P-A-T-D-O-N-E-Y, NBC5. And on Instagram, I'm just at Pat Doney as well. But I'm most active there on Twitter, and I tried my best to answer questions. And, you know, I really do. When people reach out to me and say, hey, why did the Cowboys do this? And if I don't know the answer, I'll go ask them. When I'm in the locker, I'll try to find out too. Because, you know, sometimes we get great ideas from people who are passionate about the sports that we cover, whether it's the Cowboys, high school sports, the Rangers, Mavs, Stars, whatever. You know, it's... It's a really social media has really changed the game yep. in that it's much there's much more opportunity to yep. interact with the people who care the most about what it is that we are doing and we can find out what it is that they want us to tell them about and yeah. and sometimes that's the way that I get the uh, best questions that I get. That's very cool. All right, well we need a hashtag for this episode. How about uh, hashtag Buddy Bench? Love it. All that right. sounds good to me. All Buddy right. Bench it is. All right, well listeners, until next time, hashtag Buddy Bench and hashtag Be a Better Dad. 
If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.